0: Deuteronomy chapter 6 will be our passage this morning. Looking at beginning a brand new series this morning entitled Family 101. If you start thinking about the times in which we are living, just this past week... If you watched any of the news uh I mean it seems like the whole world's on fire I mean is it just me or just seem like everything is absolutely gone completely crazy and uh, I'm thankful that God's word speaks truth into the very moments that we are living in today and it gives us direction and as a parent we don't have to sit there uh, and wonder which direction is the right direction, which way we're supposed to go in leading our family. God's word gives us wisdom and direction. And uh, over the course of the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at this series, Family 101, navigating the parenting role in challenging times. And I believe we are definitely in those challenging times. And as you're thinking about wrapping up a school year, As you're thinking about starting a new school year, some of your kids are going to be starting at new schools. We have uh, our twins are getting ready to finish up fifth grade and going to be uh, moving on to middle school. And uh, I remember each of our older two kids when they crossed that bridge and finished up fifth grade and were getting ready to move up. And uh, and as a parent of a, uh, especially a daughter, uh, going up to middle school... Uh, I, I evidently the the sister principal saw the look on our face when I'm walking around uh, the hallways uh, there at that beginning that first day and I, I'm some of these boys look like—I mean, Jason, you teach there, you know what I'm talking about. They look like they're grown men. I mean, they—they they have full beards, and uh, I mean, they are—they're—they're they're, they're taller than me. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sending my daughter into this environment. I mean, this is the craziest thing I've ever. Seen. I didn't even know you could have a beard and as as a. Uh, <laughs> middle schooler i mean but they're walking in the classroom and i'm sitting here thinking i can't even imagine this and the assistant principal she comes over and this was pre-covid obviously she kind of puts her arm on my my hand on my shoulder she said dad it's going to be okay we're going to make sure she's okay we're going to watch over her and and she's going to do just fine but you know there's these moments in parenting that you're thinking man if i can just get them out of the twos in our house it was never the twos it was the threes and uh when you have twins turning three uh, I, I pray extra hard for you but you know it's it's crazy now they're getting ready to go to that next stage so maybe you're sitting here thinking of my kids are moving up to middle school or god forbid now they're moving up to high school and i'm sitting here thinking you know in the next few months my son's getting his license He's going to be behind the wheel uh, without mom and dad there to say, slow down, stop, turn, you know, all the things. I mean, even to this day at 46 years old, if I drive with my dad, anybody else have the feeling? If I drive with my dad, he's going to say, you better go slow down. You got to turn up here. I'm like, that's my exit. That's where I live. I know how to get home. And But he's still going to, you know, parent and, and shepherd and guide. And some of you are laughing because your kids are grown and they're out of the house. And you know what I'm talking about. there's still moments that you want to speak into their lives and you're wanting to give them advice and you hope that they're still listening you hope that they're still taking and heeding that advice this morning the title of the message is called the parents priority if you are a parent you know someone who is a parent you had a parent you would agree that parenting is very difficult this morning would you raise your hand anybody like that in the building all right parenting is not easy in fact It's never over either. Doesn't matter how old they get, and and I'm laughing because Aaron, you and Connie, uh, over the course of 2020, married, had both of their kids get married, and I'm thinking, man, I mean. You hit the jackpot all in one year. I mean, talk about broke. I mean, you can't retire anytime in the near future, but you're going to have to keep working for a long time because they're coming out of college and getting married all at the exact same time. And you're thinking, I mean, what a a crazy time. But folks, the priority of the parent is so important. I like what Mark Twain said, or or, I don't know if I'll say I like it, but it's a, a funny statement. He was talking about parenting. He said, when they're 13, Put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut and feed them through the knot hole. Then his advice was, when they're 16, plug the knot hole. All right. So, I mean, they get to that point in life, you know. Uh, before long, I mean, I'm looking up to Micah. He is one. Well, I took him to his uh annual uh, checkup this week and I just said something last Sunday on Mother's Day about you know being in the doctor's office I had he and Malachi in there at the same time and Malachi's cracking jokes and saying all these crazy things to the doctor and I'm sitting there going he's like no what are they allergic to I was like oh here we go again I mean seriously I, why are you asking me you have their charts you know what they're allergic to but they're sitting there and they measured him and they they told his his height and a. Uh, I was like, are you sure? And so they went back and measured again, and he was actually one inch shorter than me. And and they're like, he's probably going to be around 5'8", 5'9", 5'10 at the most. Well, I'm 5'8". My wife is 5'4". I mean, it's really not in the cards for him to have. Uh, he's not. He wants to be six foot. My dad was one. But I mean, I don't think it's probably going to happen uh, as much as he wants it to be. But anyway, there, there, there's a challenging point, and you look at the parent Bobby, you sit there, look at your kid, and you're like, you might be taller than me, but you still have to listen. You still have to obey. There's still problems and struggles that they deal with. And I will say I've had my shares of joy in parenting. When you hear another parent talk about, hey, your kid was so respectful they had a great attitude, and uh, yesterday my son's uh, football team lost, and uh, Tyler, great job out there on the field. Their team uh, beat him on the football field, and you did an outstanding job on there, and Justin did a fantastic job coaching. I was listening to how he was coaching those young men, and I love the the fact that you can lose a game and still move forward. And it's a learning experience. And we have to have those moments in life. My wife and I were talking about on the way home. I said, I'm glad for in, in a sense that they that they lost to a team that was better because folks, at the end of the day, they need those experiences in life. They need to feel what it's like to win and win with dignity and, and grace. They need to feel what it's like to lose and lose with dignity and grace. You need to be able to move forward with the power of God leading and directing your life life. This morning as we begin a brand new series, I want to look at the the parents' priority this morning. And folks, if you're not yet a parent, or maybe you're one day will be, or you're hoping to one day be a parent, what is our number one priority? In fact, when you look at the Scripture, if you're taking notes, looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see some, the priorities outlined in Scripture. A parent's priority is, is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. Think about this for just a moment. My goal is not to create little robots. My goal in life is to not only teach them to listen and obey their parents as the Ten Commandments talks about it, that's what Deuteronomy chapter 5 talks about, but ultimately to teach them to rely solely on God, who's never going to lead them astray in every, any area or any arena of life. And so you think about our priorities of mom and dad is to gradually transfer dependence of our kids from us, teaching them how to rely on and depend fully on Jesus Christ. When our kids are little, they depend on us for every, every single thing. I mean, they'll, they'll cry anytime they don't get their way. And they they scream when they want a bottle they scream for sometimes no reason they scream when they want to be changed they scream when they want to be held or they want to be put down over time though you transfer that to be dependence and i remember the moment in our house whenever you start giving them a spoon for the very first time and they're going to feed themselves i mean all hope is lost on keeping the kitchen clean. I mean, you just better hope you have a dog or maybe two dogs that can come and clean up under the table after every meal or whatever. But at the end of the day, there's a certain teaching them how to depend and feed themselves and, how to eventually bathe themselves. You remember those moments and you're thinking they're going to flood the entire second floor of the house. And and you're thinking, just hoping that, you know, they don't, you know, cause a, a, a flood and, and the sheetrock comes crashing through the ceiling. I mean, you're wondering, you know, when are they going to get it? When are they going to learn? And then you begin to teach them principles of how to live for God and how to walk with God and how to have a relationship with God. You're beginning to transfer that to So that they no longer depend on you for everything, but they depend on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to know that in times of adversity and times of trial, they can turn to God for strength, for help, for wisdom, for encouragement, for direction in their lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it begins in verse 1. It says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that You may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, over the course of the next few moments, may we just set aside any distractions or if we're watching here live and in person whether we're watching online or we'll watch sometime over the course of the next week or so god may your holy spirit arrest our attention and focus our attention on your word and the power that it has to transform and change our lives god i pray that when we look at all of the bad things that are happening in our world God, we have such an important role as parents, and we have a priority to teach them to love God, to teach them to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And God, I pray that we would set aside all of those things that are seeking to distract us and and steal our time and and our attention. God, and focus on your word this morning and allow it to transform our lives. What if there's someone here or someone who's watching online who does not have a personal relationship with you, Lord, may this moment be that very moment that your Holy Spirit convicts them and shows them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and draws them into a personal relationship with you this morning. May they confess their sins and receive forgiveness and freedom from that bondage of sin. God, may you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. May you transform our homes and our families this week as we begin to study and, and dig into the Word of God. May you do a mighty work in our midst. We'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As you teach your children to fear the Lord, as you teach them to live according to God's commands in His Word, not only will you be changed, but the next generation will be changed. The generation to come will be changed. And over the years of working in student ministry and working with teenagers, I love when I see the light bulb comes on, and those of you that are teachers know what I'm talking about. That moment when you're in the classroom and you're trying to teach a concept or you're teaching facts about history or whatever it is, and you're teaching them how to discover what it is that God wants to accomplish in their life. I love working with students in student ministry and seeing that light turn on and they're like, God has a purpose. He has a plan for my life, and he wants to work in my life today. There's something awesome about that. and So he's talking about training. As parents, we're going to train our children not to depend on us, but as over time they'll understand that God is the only person, the only one that we can depend fully on. Mom and dad may let you down. Your family may let you down. Your neighbors, your, your friends all of those people may let you down, but Jesus Christ is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So how do we do that? Deuteronomy gives us the, the two most important principles that if we'll live them out as a parent, God has a, a way of helping us learn to train our kids to depend fully and solely on God. First of all, God's telling us in his word, he says, love your God. That's our number one priority. He says, hear therefore, O Israel. Be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. The land flowing with milk and honey. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. When we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's coming on the heels of Deuteronomy chapter 5 where he's Was going over the Ten Commandments and the importance it is to to follow God and and to choose to follow Jesus Christ and and follow Him in in our lives. How much of us would say, how many of us would say this morning, I don't give God all of my heart? I give Him just a part of my heart. In church life, oftentimes you, you see certain people, they show up for christmas or what's the other uh, uh, the big day easter all right sometimes we call those people christers all right they come in at christmas and they come at easter there's usually uh, there's either a lily or a poinsettia on the platform i mean they've never seen the church like this i mean it's just a fern folks i mean uh, but if you want a, a a lily i'm sure we can find one if it helps you feel comfortable but i'm, I'm totally playing but i mean that they come to church and they only see it a couple times a year, God doesn't have all of their heart. He has part of their heart because somewhere along the line, they've never prioritized going to God's house and being a part of a church where God can speak to your truth and to your life and use other people to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. No, we still love those people. I'm not making fun of them, I'm not. Uh, What I'm saying is as you learn to give your relationship to God a priority, you start becoming faithful in attendance to church you start saying that's going to be enough that's going to be way up here on my list of priorities of things that I want to do with my family and and oftentimes I think what happens is we think well you know what we're it's going to get better life's going to slow down (laughs) who are you kidding who are we kidding sometimes parents say you know what whenever I whenever we have kids we'll you know things are going to slow down we won't travel as much and we'll No, you'll travel more. Because now there's more of you. And uh, Connor wants to go to see all 50 states before he graduates. I mean, you guys have a tall order uh, in your household. But, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking around, uh, you know, we have four kids. And there's there's ball games. There's trips. There's senior. There's all these different things that happen. Now we've got one in college. And playing college sports. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, there's no, it doesn't stop. In fact, it gets crazier. And, and then you uh, sometimes you have these grand ideas of, man, I'm going to retire one day. And, and move to the beach. The only problem with that is the rest of your family doesn't live there. Okay? So, those of you that are thinking, that I'm going to retire and move to the mountains or move to the beach or move to Florida, yeah, go ahead and do that, but you'll never see your grandkids. I mean, all their ball games are going to be in Raleigh, all their ball games are going to be in town. And, and you're sitting there thinking, all, no, that's, it's part of the priority of putting God first, means I'm going to make loving God my number one priority above all else. I'm going to prioritize the things of God. Let me explain it to you this way. Every year, I go and get a flu shot. I'm not a a fan of uh, getting the flu. I've had it a couple times in my life, but I don't like getting the flu. In fact, I am the biggest baby. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. I mean, I'm worse than all four kids put together. When I get sick, I mean, it's just the whole the house comes to a screeching halt and and take care of dad you know I mean (laughs) we're just gonna lose I mean mom's like I can't get sick because there's no one to to take care of me but you know when I get dad gets sick I mean we're like big babies so I get the flu shot every year and they put that thing in. you know it feels like my arm is hurting like for five days afterwards I mean I want to cry when they're doing it but my kids are sitting right there and I'm thinking I probably shouldn't do that but you know what the point is is they put just a little bit of the flu virus into your body in hopes that you don't get the flu. I'm afraid what happens is oftentimes as, as parents, we notably give our children just a little bit of the things of God but they never experience the power, the presence, and the glory of God in their lives. They have just a little bit, once or twice a year, or maybe once a month, or when it becomes, you know, there's nothing else to do in our world, we'll give them a little bit of experience of God. But what God is telling us, He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Another passage says, with all of your strength. In other words, it ought to be our number one priority in life is to have a deep relationship with God. Scripture teaches us to love God with all our heart. The problem is, the world that we live in, there are a lot of things that distract our heart. There are a lot of things that distract our mind. Are things that distract, and, and as parents, as a dad, I want to provide for my kids and I know you do. A lot of times I hear people say, I just want to give my kids more than what I had growing up. There's nothing wrong with that statement in of itself. But folks, if that's the thing that motivates you as a parent, is to give your kids more stuff than what you had growing up, that's not what they need. That's not what's going to make them successful. Is because they have uh, leather seats in the car with Bun warmers in the back seat. I mean, uh, you know, somehow we think that we've got to have certain things in life in order to be successful. But folks, those things are not the things that they're going to remember or that's going to take them through life and make them successful as a follower jesus christ so we pour into all these things and you you get a good job and you work hard and there's nothing wrong with those things i want to give my kids more than what i had growing up and so you pour that put them into all of the sports and you're racing across town like a crazy person uh going to all of the sporting events and you know you give gymnastics and dance and all of these things piano whatever and and when all of it they turn 16 uh, you got to buy them a car, and, and you say, why is that? Because let's just face it, in, in Wake County in 2021, if your kid doesn't have a car at 16, I mean, it's borderline child abuse. I mean, we're talking like, we're crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of of all of us, you know. I mean, we, we live in, a, in a, a yuppie society. We live in a world where kids expect certain things, and, you know, we're all guilty. I mean, right up there with the best of them. I mean, we, we want to provide. We want to do all of these things. And I remember the, the, the look on on my older two kids' faces, and we told them, we said, you're going to have to help pay for that car. Do what? So-and-so's parents gave them a brand new... Anybody else hear this in their house? They gave them a brand new car at 16 years old. Well, good for them. <laughs> you know, the reality is is they will not appreciate what it took to get that car because they didn't contribute towards that car. My parents helped, uh, helped us get a car uh, when we were 16, but we were paying them back uh, over time, and we were working a job to, to help provide and make that way, and I'm thankful for that. Why? Because even if you could give them that car, you're teaching them that everything is just, given to them freely. They don't have to work for it. And I'm thankful my parents, even though they couldn't afford to pay all of our way to school, they paid for part of it. But then they said, we've got three of you. You're two years apart. I don't know how that all came out to be, but we were all two years apart. And so they said, we're going to help you with the first two years. And after that, you're on your own. And so I mean, that first couple of years today, I was sitting there going, man, this is awesome. I worked a little part-time job, and I'm thinking, you know, this world is easy. I mean, in fact, I think my freshman year, I was like, this is not as hard as all the hard classes I took my senior year of high school. I'm like, that was crazy. And so all, then you're coming down to now I'm getting ready to go into my junior year, and I'm thinking, Oh my word, these classes are so hard, and I'm into my major now, and I got a job as a paper boy, delivering papers, thinking, I mean, I'm not even a morning person, but I don't know what, I, somehow I thought that was a good idea, Jason, and I, and I thought, I'm going to get this job as a paper route. And, and, i remember like the second weekend thinking i have lost my mind i mean i had dark circles under my eyes and i looked around and and, at jacksonville time all of the times union people employees that were delivering papers and i'm thinking to myself they all look like they're on death's door i mean the little bags that I had under my eyes were way down here on everyone else's face because they looked like death. I mean, they had because they got up at the crack of dawn or before the crack of dawn and and then they go to work and, and they do that job and then they go to their next job and then you I mean they're all working two and three jobs. I'm thinking, I'm gonna die an early painful death. I mean, I'm not gonna keep doing this. And before long I was working three jobs trying to go to school full time, but you know know what? It taught me to love God. It taught me to depend upon God because I couldn't depend on my parents to just pay for every single thing. And it taught me how to have a trust in God. I remember a a bill coming due and you said, well, just take out some debt. I was taught not to do that. I was taught we're not going to take out a bunch of college loans. In fact, with our daughter in college now, I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like. I've never had a college loan. And and so I'm sitting here thinking through the whole process. But I remember one particular month, like 700 and some dollars that was still due. And I didn't have the money to pay it. I didn't know if I was going to have to drop out of school. I remember talking to dad on the phone and said, dad, just pray. I said, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I've got this 700 and some dollar bill that's due and I've got to pay it by Friday. I didn't know what to do. He said, well, talk to the Lord about it. Pray about it. Dad talked to his mom uh, later the same day and on a Sunday afternoon, and she talked to my great aunt on the phone. Or no, they were at deacon's, their husbands were in a deacon's meeting, and so they were sitting there uh, talking while they were at a deacon's meeting. And so yeah, David, pray for David. He's uh, trying to pay his college as he goes along, and and he's about 700 some dollars short. On Thursday of that week, I got a check for seven hundred some dollars, the exact amount I needed for my great aunt. I didn't tell my great aunt. I didn't. I I told my dad, and he said pray about it. And you know what? God laid it on my great aunt's heart, but I got to watch God provide, and I got to see His glory on display through that process instead of dad just saying, here's the money and make it go away. No, it allowed me to see that God had a hand in every single thing. He was able to provide. We want to provide the best for our kids, but folks, the best is not always giving them stuff. In fact, I'm going to be honest, during the quarantine, one of the things I enjoyed the most was that everything came to a screeching halt with four kids. I didn't have a single practice to go to. I didn't have a single game to go to. And you know what? I mean, let's just be real. Anybody else that go there said it was awesome. I mean, I was like, Saturday mornings are like the best ever. I mean, I don't have to get out of bed. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to. I mean, I was just the greatest thing ever in in the history of the world. But then all of a sudden, you start thinking, but we've got to return. Some things have to return, and 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 so all of these things are beginning to happen. And and I, I thought the priorities. What is it that's most important? What is it that we're going to prioritize in our lives? I'm afraid over the course of 12 to 15 months, some of our priorities have slipped in the sense of, you know what, I want to do what I want to do now. I'm just going to follow my own thing and do my own thing. And you know what, God has somehow slipped way down the list of priorities in our lives And now it's kind of like, well, you know what? I'll see, hey, Christmas is not that far away. I'll see Pastor Dave then. I mean, I'll just kind of create this atmosphere of doing what I want to do. But folks, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What is he saying? He says, it's imperative. Our kids must see a hunger for God. They must see a hunger for the things of God, becoming a priority in worshiping God in our lives. You see, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength doesn't have happen when we say, you know what, church is no longer a priority. It's become so far down the list. Our kids are watching the decisions that we are making today in 2021 of saying, what's the most important priority in your life? Some of you need to recommit yourself, recommit your life to the Lord and say, you know what? Over the course of time, I've allowed my priorities to get confused and I need to get back into church. I need to start serving the Lord again. I need to start, why? Because your son, your daughter are watching you. They're watching your example and you're gonna be leading them towards a deeper relationship with God or further away. And let me just say involvement in church does not mean that you show up late every Sunday, barely squeak in on the last song and you're gone during the closing prayer why so you can meet be, beat the methodist to lunch on Sunday. And, and and we laugh about it but the folks is that's often the case is I'm trying to get out of here to get to the restaurant as quick as I can instead of building relationships and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Am I a contributing part of the family of God? Am I plugged in? Do I care about the spiritual development of my family and those families around me? I came across a study several years ago. I thought it was interesting. It was talking about kids who grow up with parents who are active Christ followers. And the influence of parents attending church. And it says this, mom and dad, if mom and dad both attend church regularly, 72% of kids will... As adults that's staggering but think about it. if only mom goes to church it goes down significantly 15% will attend as, as, as an adult if dad goes to church only dad 55% will go as adults if neither parent goes to church 6% will go to church as adults Dad, don't underestimate the value of your role in leading your family to follow Jesus. They're watching. Does dad truly love God? Does he have a heart for God? Does he truly believe the things that he says? Is he living it out in his daily life? Does he love the Lord with all of his heart? It means not only in words, but in action. Parents, you have a God-given responsibility. to say, Mom, it doesn't say your role is any less. In fact, when mom and dad team up, I mean, the the chance for success long term in your kid's spiritual development is huge. Doesn't mean it's all going to be perfect, but it means that you're doing the very best that you can to point them towards a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So what would I say if I came to your house this afternoon and? unexpected, and I knocked on your door and said, come in, hey, I just wanted to kind of see how things were going at your house, and I just, I wanted to see how things, you know, how you're doing as parents, and I just start snooping around, I mean, yeah, anybody, your parents come to visit you from out of town, you start getting nervous, I mean, you start going, oh no, I mean, they're going to see this or that, or they're going to ask me where this is at, or, I mean, I, I could spot these people a million miles away, but when mom and dad come to town, they bring their parents to church, they hadn't been to church since the last time the mom and dad were in town, and you're thinking, you Yourself, I mean, I don't think your mom and dad are really getting fooled here. I mean, I think you're fooling yourself if you think it's like me. I've lost the night before I go to the dentist. It doesn't take. The fact that I didn't floss for the, floss for the other the six months leading up to that dentist appointment. But I did it that one night before. My my wife's like, you're not fooling the, the hygienist. She knows. I was like, I just don't want pieces of food to fly out and hit her mask on, on the thing. So I'm sitting here trying to do my part. You know, but anyway, you're not fooling anybody. He says, but what if I went to your house and said, well, I want to see what kind of magazines. I want to see what, what, what you're watching on TV at your house. I want to see what you're looking at on the Internet. I want to see what your priorities really are. So I'm going to open the refrigerator and see how if you're eating healthy and feeding your family good meals. I want, I want to talk to your kids and see. Oh, pastor. Please don't do that. I mean, I don't make a lot of home visits today because I'm telling you, in 2021, you knock on someone's door, they're like closing the blinds going, Hush, be quiet. Don't shut up that dog over there. Don't let the pastor know we're actually here. I mean, people are intimidated. My wife said one time, she's like, the pa- people don't want them. They think if you show up at their house, someone's getting ready to die. I mean, they think if the pastor I've shown up to the hospital before and people are like, I mean— Did my family tell you something? I mean, mean, are you reading me my last rites? I mean, why did the pastor show up? I mean, it's intimidating. But folks, at the end of the day, what about your children? They're watching. They see the life that we're living, the things that are important, the things that are not important. What if I looked at it and said, we're going to put your checkbook up on the screen and let everybody see how you spend your money, if God is really a priority in your life or not? see, we can, Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu, we start going through all the all of the things that are important priority in our life, and oh yeah, we gave like five dollars to the church. A few years ago, we had a family in the church that they called, and they were kind of upset in early February because they didn't get their giving statement from the previous year. And so we, you know, the call was returned, but the call was there was zero funds given in that previous year and the stamp to send you a letter that you didn't give anything was more than you gave i mean so we didn't you didn't get anything because you didn't give anything and and the reality is is oftentimes in our lives a whole year will go by and we realize i did not prioritize my relationship with god in 2021 the best thing we can do for our children is to, so with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, choose to love God, live for God, allow Him to be a priority in our life. Then secondly, lead our family. Look at verse 6. He says, In these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. What's he saying? He says you have a responsibility to lead your family, lead your children to follow Jesus Christ. Then what he says when you sit down at the dinner table, our, home, our family prioritizes the dinner time meal. Why is that? Because early in the morning it's chaos trying to get everybody where they're supposed to go but folks at dinner we make a priority to sit down at the family table and we talk about the day we talk about the good things the bad things what went well what did not go well what were we struggling with what do we need prayer for we talk about those things as a family when you sit at home when you take a walk you talk about the goodness of God when you see a a sunset Don't just let that pass by and say, you know what, that's the handiwork of God. When you're standing there at the mountains and you see a beautiful waterfall or you see a a rainbow, that's the handiwork of God. When you sit out there at the beach or the seashore and you see the beautiful sunset or see the sunrise over the ocean, that's the handiwork of God. You get to explain this to your kids. He says, when you're driving to school, talk about the goodness of God. When you're sitting there, uh, taking them to football practice or lacrosse or dance or whatever, talk about the relationship with God. Lead them towards a closer, more intimate relationship with God. He says, write them on your door frames of your house, right over the the door, coming in our entrance hall of our house. There's a. There's a, a plaque a family that our church gave us says Joshua 24, 15 is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. It's a priority. We're saying, we're making a decision that we are choosing to follow Jesus Christ. So when all of our kids' friends come over, it doesn't matter what background they are, they see that. When they come over for dinner, we're still going to pray before our meal. I don't care who it is. You know what sometimes I do? I'll look at Micah and say, Micah, would you say the blessing? And it's Micah's friends all around the table. That's awesome for them to see. Here's one of their peers who knows God, has a relationship with, now they might not always appreciate it today, but you know what? It's important for them, for me to lead them towards a deeper relationship with God. Spiritual talk becomes not just something we do on the weekend, not just something at church or at youth group or at life group. It becomes a daily part of our lives leading our children to follow Christ Edward, Duke of Windsor, said this about America. He said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Wow. Have you ever would imagine those of you that are 30, 40, 50 years old talking to your parents the way kids talk to their parents today? I would not still be alive, my parents would be in prison, Uh, but I'm thankful for that because they taught me respect for authority. They taught me to respect, and folks, you know what? I have no doubts in my mind today, if my kid were to get pulled over by a police officer, they know how to handle themselves, 10 and 2 baby don't talk unless they ask you a question don't say something stupid why it's not because the police are bad it's because i don't want my kid to say something stupid and get in trouble you listen when they tell you to give them your license or registration you do that and don't do anything else don't smart off don't talk back to your teachers and don't talk back to your coaches i was a coach out there the other day on the football team I was dying laughing. I mean, he was yelling at those kids, left and right. I'm like, that's like old school coaching. I mean, He he wasn't letting them, I mean, one little slip of the ball or whatever, slip of the hand, and boy, he was laying into them. And I thought, that's what some of these kids actually need. They need someone to be tough on them, to love them, and to lead them towards success. We've got to lead our kids toward a right relationship with Jesus. And, and, And folks, the reality is this morning is, Your kids don't need a friend. They need a parent that will love them and lead them towards Jesus Christ. It's vital. Folks, this morning, our kids are looking around for leaders. They're looking around for someone to point them in the right direction and point them towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must lead intentionally. We must lead intentionally. So, Pastor, what does that look like? And, folks, as you seek the heart of God, God will direct you in how to lead your family intentionally. You have to look at the priorities. Tana and I lead our family intentionally, and she's amazing at it. She's always seeing opportunities, and these are great ways that we can point towards Jesus Christ in ways that we can show them uh, and, and allow them to see the, the the goodness of God in various situations but we have a our family's gonna look different than yours because our family dynamics are different than yours uh, and our relationship is different and 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 we are minute the life. both of us are completely consumed with ministry life and that's that's the life that we live and so our Our example may not fit for your family, I'm not saying it does, but it it works for us. Uh, and Many times we have to prioritize our family and say that we're making our family first because everything else will crowd out our, you know how many times we have come back from vacation because of a death in the church? I can't count them on both hands and both feet and probably two or three more times of all of that, including spring break of this year. The reality is we have to make the most of every moment we have because our lives are so busy. We have a million things pulling and vying for our attention, and so we have to do it. Tana's number one ministry is to me and to our family. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, it's not your household. At the end of the day, if both of us are gone all the time, there's no one at home pointing the kids towards Christ, and they're going crazy. They need somebody to be at home, someone to be present in their life. And so when a church member is hurting, when someone's in the hospital, when someone needs a pastor, I'm going constantly. But folks, what it does is it allows there to be stability in the pastor's home. And I remember when we first got married, Tana went from just being a regular church member to all of a sudden, She's the assistant pastor's wife, the youth pastor's wife, and she's immediately teaching teen girls, and she loves middle school girls. Absolutely, that's she. She stepped into that role. I'm sitting here thinking, that's the. The toughest group. I've got a a daughter who's getting ready to go to middle school myself. I mean, that's a tough age and a tough time sometimes for kids. She loves it. She says, they're teachable, they're trainable, they're moldable. You have so much opportunity to see their value and worth in Christ. She loves them. Then she's worked with ladies ministry and she's taught a ladies Sunday school class and she's helped with young married couples over the years. But what happens is, right now in the season that we're in, her number one priority is not to be doing all of those things. Her number one priority is to be at home and to help raise our children and, and be there to support me as her husband. So we value family time. We lead intentionally. We have date nights throughout the—it's not every single week. I, was, I wish it were, but uh, we do it often. And when we go out and say, what is the point of that? My kids need to see that we prioritize one another. We prioritize the family and that life— does not revolve around them. Can I get a witness this? Uh, it doesn't revolve around them. Our, yeah, we go to games. We do all those things. But we spend time focusing on our marriage, on our relationship with one another. We, we date one another. We have those, We are countercultural. Just because everyone else is doing it <laughs> does not mean you are. I grew up in a house like that. I used to hate my dad. I don't care if everybody is jumping off the bridge. You're not. (laughs) And and they used to burn me up. But folks, now I find myself saying the same thing. I don't care if every single person drinks the Kool-Aid. You're not. You're not going down that road. And folks, even today, I'm thankful there are many times my kids have said, I watched and I saw where that led. And it was not a good place. It was not a a place that that was going to help. The Word of God says in Proverbs 22, 6, he says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. The word train is the word chanak, which means it refers to the palate in your mouth. In the Old Testament, when a, a mother would give birth to a young baby, there would be a midwife. There wasn't a, a, a giant hospital for them to go to, and Rex Hospital and the, the birthing center wasn't all those things. But the midwife that would deliver them would, would reach in and, and dip her, fam, her finger into a paste and put it in the roof of the mouth, on the palate of the baby's mouth, on the chinook. And what it would do was it would initiate a hunger and it would cause the baby to eat or to nurse. So, what parents do is we, we train. We initiate, we dedicate our children. Last Sunday, I know a whole bunch of kids across the stage up here. We're dedicating, we're initiating that hunger and that thirst for the things of God. We train them. We dedicate them. We create a craving for that which is true and right and pure and holy. So when they see the, the things of God, they desire to live godly. And I want to live that way. I want to follow Jesus Christ with my life. Our role in application this morning is to transfer dependence. We want it to be where they're no longer eventually depending on us. Now they learn how to depend fully on God. How do we do that? We love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We make that a priority in our daily lives to live for God. It starts with us. And as we intentionally lead our families, what happens is they begin to understand, all right? What mom and dad said when I was 13, I didn't understand when they said no. But now at 21, I get it. In fact, until I had my own first child, John, I didn't understand some of the things that my parents said no to when I was 16. But now as a a father, of a a soon-to-be 16-year-old son, a soon-to-be 19-year-old daughter, two 11-year-olds that are getting ready to go into middle school. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thankful my dad said no. I'm thankful he was less caring about how happy I was in the current circumstance of life, and he wanted me to live a holy life. He wasn't as as concerned with my happiness as he was the holiness of God in my life. And he wanted me to learn to follow Jesus Christ. I don't want you to look back and say, where did the time go? I want you to say, you know what? We gave everything. We left it on the field. We poured in our kids. We prioritized the things of God. And folks, whenever we look back on it, there's no regrets. There's no regrets. Lead them you lead your children dad God put you that in that position mom God put you in that position to lead with God and love God with all your heart and to lead as he has called you to lead that means sometimes you say no to a promotion at work because you will be out of the home way more and your kids need mom and dad to be present in their lives you said pastor David But you know what, I'm I'm moving up the ladder. You know what, there'll be a time when there won't be any kids in your house. And if you want to give it 120% as long as your spouse says that's okay, you knock yourself out. But at the end of the day, your kids need a mom. Your kids need a dad that are going to love God and lead them how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Train them. There's some verses I'm putting on the screen. I'm not gonna read them all because we don't have time. Training from Proverbs. Train them how to manage God's money. Train them how to carefully select friends. Some of them are getting ready to move up to middle school. They need to know how to do this. Train them to watch their words. Maybe mom and dad need to watch their words so that their kids can watch their words. Teach them how to be responsible. Teach them how, train them how to guard their minds. Teach them how to be generous teach them how to fear God. To snapshot that picture on your phone. But the reality is, as moms and dads, we have a responsibility to train our kids to follow Jesus Christ. This morning, are you leading your children or are your children leading? you? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I'll be the first to admit there's so many areas that I have failed as, as a dad, as a father, as a husband, as a man. And God, I ask for forgiveness. I ask for cleansing. I ask for healing. I ask for restoration. God, I ask that you would restore that right relationship with you and Lord, with my kids and with my wife. Lord, I pray that I would prioritize the things of God above all else. And Lord, whatever areas of priority I need to rearrange right now, I pray that you would help me to do so. It would help me to take serious responsibility of leading my family into a right relationship with God. God, to help us to live intentionally, help us to see our kids as that arrow that you've placed in our hand and Lord as we're sharpening that arrow as we're preparing to launch them out into this world God I pray that we would do our part at leading them into a right relationship with you Lord that when they leave God may they not depart God may their heart be grounded in your word and in that relationship with you and God may you do a mighty work Lord speak to the hearts of those who maybe have have strayed from their faith. God, I pray that you would just encourage them this morning to return home. God, I pray you would encourage those parents whose kids have maybe stepped away. God, I pray that you would give them strength and give them hope this morning. And knowing that, God, as, as they're praying, you are more than able to redirect their child's heart back. you do a mighty work in our midst this morning god for each parent in the building that'll be watching online maybe later this week or watching right now god would you encourage us and challenge us in the priority that you give us